0: Well, we are continuing our study through Philippians, and we have finished in chapter one, and so tonight we're going to move into uh, the next three chapters, two, three, and four, and they're going to go much quicker. In chapter one, there was very uh, in-depth teachings uh, in every verse, and and so it it really was uh, something that was deep and and um, uh, tedious, but now we're going to start to go a little bit quicker as uh, w- for the next three chapters, Paul begins to emphasize the principles that were brought up in chapter one and now begins to use um, uh, examples for us to follow, and his focus now is more on some models that we can have um, to put these principles into place that we might experience joy in um, in the same way that they have experienced it and have um, shown us um, uh, the way to walk in it. Uh, So tonight, uh, we're going to start in chapter 2, and um, uh, we're going to look at this mind that Paul says, if we are going to know joy, if we're going to walk in joy in the midst of storms, in the midst of uh, painful experiences, it all starts with having a mindset. Uh, it, it is having uh, the same mind um, that Christ had. And, and so we're gonna look at that tonight, that that is um, uh, our first example uh, that we can follow is Christ himself. And uh, so we're gonna look at how he modeled this for us, that Jesus himself who lived a, a hard life um, and struggled in, in many areas and yet he walked with joy and so we're going to look at, at the model that he has given us that we can follow. So let's pick it up and read our text, and then we'll come back and break it down a little bit. So starting in chapter 2, verse 1, he says, So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. So here's here's the key thing. If we're going to complete the joy that Paul has, we need to have the same mind. We all need to have the same mind. And we're going to look at that mind in a second. He says in verse 3, do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you Look not only to your own interests, but to the interests of others, and have this mind among you, which was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, and being born in the likeness of men, he was found... Um, uh, he, it being, I'm sorry, being found in the f- human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So Paul says to complete his joy, he prayed that we would have the same mind. And that mind is the same mind that that Christ had. Um, so what is the mind that Christ had that, that we are to take? So if we are to begin to change the perspective of how we view life, that's what he means by have this mind in you, to begin to change how you look at life, okay? We need to begin uh, to, to stop um, uh, living from our own experience, from our own perspective, And we need to begin to embrace a new way of of seeing what happens to us. Now, he explains it in three ways. So as he talks about Jesus, our model, um, Jesus modeled this mindset in three different ways. First way, it says that who, talking about Jesus, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Okay, here's the first thing. That it it does not say that Jesus uh, stopped being God. He realized he was God, but here's the key thing. But he did not value that so much that he felt like he had to hold on to it. He didn't worry about it. He knew that he was loved by God. He knew that he was the son of God. He knew that he was very nature of God, and yet he trusted God so much that he did not feel like he needed to grasp it. He didn't have to keep hold of it. He didn't have to prove himself to anyone. So therefore, he did not value his own identity as something that 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 needed his attention. Now, it does not mean that he... Uh, thought of himself as, as someone that was no good and I'm just a victim and I'm nothing. No, he realized who he was, but he simply, there was no need to grasp at that. There were other things more important than him. This is how we need to begin to develop our, our, our life. We need to stop grasping for things that that uh, uh, encourage us. We need to stop grasping for things that build up our self-esteem because here's the thing we need to know who we are we are chosen by God he has he has saved us through his son so therefore we don't need to grasp for self-identification anymore we we need to stop trying to hold on to those things that make us feel good about ourselves we need to start trusting God And, and if we truly trust God enough and know who we are in him then no longer does it matter what other people think about us. I don't grasp uh, uh, accolades. I don't care about what other people say. They're nice, but that's not my source of joy. You see, he didn't grasp for those things. So many times our joy is short-lived and it's so fragile because we're so grasping at our our own self-identity. And in this world, our self identity is broken so easily that if we are grasping that, we are holding on to something that is only going to let us down. So we need to learn from Jesus to understand. Now, it doesn't mean that we become, you know, oh, I'm nothing. No, I have the boldness and confidence. I know who I am in Christ, but I don't have to grasp that. I don't have to prove it to anyone. And I don't have to have other people prove it to me. See, too many times we want everyone to build our self-esteem when we don't need to. All we need to know is what God thinks of us. And once we know what God thinks of us, then it doesn't matter what happens. I am no longer grasping to that. The goal of my life is not to achieve. I don't need to achieve as long as I know who I am. So so Jesus did not grasp uh, or or treasure what he already knew he was um, he, he simply trusted God and there was no need to to worry about um, uh, the outcome anymore but not only that um, but it says uh, he not only did not uh, grasp that but being uh, but he made himself uh, nothing and took on the form of Of a servant even being born in the likeness of man it says that he made himself nothing now this again does not mean that he broke himself down and this humbling of himself is is not a lowering of his view of himself but it was a Lowering himself to where others were, he valued the service of others. His whole motivation was service. the The word there to make himself nothing. Another translation says he emptied himself. In other words, everything that he was, he wanted to give to others. He emptied himself for others. Um, we need to begin to have this view that I am someone special in God. I am chosen by God, but I am blessed by God so that I might be a blessing. And so everything that I am should lower myself so that I can connect with others. It is not lowering myself uh, to beat myself up, but it is an act of compassion to be what other people need me to be. It says he became the form of a man. Um, He became like us. So in other words, we need to be willing to be like others. We need to stop worrying about what it's going to cost me. I don't care what it's going to cost me because it's not about me. It's about others. We begin to see every circumstance as an opportunity to benefit someone else, to empty myself for someone else. Um, It is not just an an emptying onto the ground. It is an emptying uh, that that serves someone else. Um, It is a love. It is a compassion uh, that we are uh, so aware of others. Uh, and, And, I think that's key. Many times we serve, but we're not truly aware of others. Jesus was so aware of us uh, that he desired uh, not just to uh, lead us, to pick us up, but to get down under us and lift us up. We need to have the mindset not just to be ones that call people out. Hey, let me help you. Like I'm better and I can help you but instead get down below them and actually lift them up. That by, by my love and my compassion, I can serve others. So there's this idea of service that my whole motivation of being is to bring others uh, uh, to a closer view of what God has for them. And, And so, First of all, he did not grasp uh, the things for himself, but he took on the mind of a servant. He was willing to serve. In other words, whatever is mine is not meant for me. It is for someone else's use. And and when it says uh, that we are to be servants, that means, now here's the thing, that we're going to be treated like servants. I think so many times we want to serve and we want to serve but yet what we really want is we want to be acknowledged. And you see a true servant is not acknowledged. Jesus did not come down to service to be acknowledged, but to be almost unseen by pushing us towards God, to give himself for us. And so many times the problem with us is you know, we come to a church or, or we go someplace and say, I'm here to serve. But then, you know, when, when we do something and no one recognizes it, no one says thank you. We're like, well, what good was that? Well, see, that, that shows that our heart was truly not to be a servant. When we pray, God, make me a servant, let's not be surprised or angry when we get treated like a servant. You, you see, we have so uh, made that label something that is terrible um, when a servant um, and being treated like a servant is is a privilege because it's the very role that jesus took and i think we need to begin to value the act of service without the gratitude for it in other words we don't serve to be acknowledged we serve to see the result of that service, which is someone else being benefited, blessed, and progressing towards God. And you see, it is, it, is, it is an attitude of saying, I don't want recognition. I just want them to be blessed. And when we truly begin to take on that attitude, that's when we find joy. You see, that's why if you don't, if we don't have that true attitude of servanthood, we are always going to be disappointed because there's always going to be someone that takes advantage of us. We say, I want to be a servant, but I don't want to be taken advantage of. Well, you see, then then you don't want to be a servant. The whole idea of being a servant is being taken advantage of because I want them to have the advantage I want them to be lifted up and you take advantage of me. That's the whole point of service, is to be taken advantage of. And and yet we have have misunderstood servant. And so when we begin to truly be willing to be taken advantage of, then we truly know what it's like to serve because we begin to value the, the right part of servanthood. The right part of servanthood to value is what they get out of it, not the reward that we get from it. If, In fact, God says this, if you get a reward for your service here on earth, then there's nothing left. You've already got your reward. Oh, and I don't want that. You see, I would rather not be acknowledged. I would rather be stepped on and walked on and taken advantage of because God says this, then your reward is in heaven. So we need to change our mind like Jesus, who emptied himself and became in the form of a servant. But not only that, he did not grasp at things for himself. He emptied himself and became nothing like a servant. And it says he also became obedient to the point of death, even the death on a cross became obedient. So he had the mind of not valuing self, emptied himself to be a servant, but also he had a mindset of obedience. Not only do I want to serve, I want to obey my God. I want to honor God by obedience. Now here's the thing that we misunderstand. Just like we misunderstand servanthood, we misunderstand obedience. Obedience is not Following a list of do's and don'ts. You see, we know that Jesus was the only perfect human being. He never broke any of the laws. He didn't break one of God's laws, not any of the Ten Commandments, not any of the ritualistic laws, not any of the ceremonial laws. He completely followed the Mosaic law to the letter. And yet, that's not what it talks about here. It says that he was obedient unto death. So the obedience that he talks about here has nothing to do with the laws. Now, it has to do with the laws because that is a byproduct of it. But the obedience that it's talking about is a desire to accomplish the will of God. He was more concerned with what God was doing in the world than doing what God wanted him to. It was not doing the list of do's and don'ts. Okay, living my life this way. It was obedience was about, God, am I fulfilling what you want for me? In other words, it went way farther. Now, it included the law, but it went way farther than the law. You see, the obedience called for giving himself in death. Now, that's not part of the law. The law does not say that you have to uh, uh, give yourself as an innocent person to death. And yet that was the will of God. And so therefore he was obedient to the plan of God. The plan of God was more important than just the law of God. So let's answer this for ourselves. In our mindset of being obedient to God, Are you more concerned with not sinning or breaking a law or are you more concerned with the heart of God and being part of accomplishing what God wants for your life? You see, I think that changes our our view of obedience. I don't know if any of us have truly embraced the desired, God, I want to be obedient And I want to be aware of your will for my life that I might truly learn obedience. Now, here's the thing. It says he learned obedience even to the point of death. In other words, he said, God, I wanna be so obedient that I will be obedient to what you would want for me even to the point of death. In other words, all the way. See, a lot of us, we are obedient to God to a point. So here's the the question. Jesus, his point was death, was torture, bleeding out, painful death. I will obey you past that point. How many of us, we obey God, but we always come to a point where, well, all of a sudden at that point, we fall back to the law. Well, God, I'm a good Christian and I'm not doing things, so so if I don't do this, then I think I'm okay. You know what you've done? You've come up to a point and you really know what God would want from you, but you haven't been willing to be obedient past that point. Let's put it this way. Um, you know, There's times where uh, you know that God wants you um, to be faithful, whether it's to church uh, or in giving, uh, but you know what? Something else is going on and we can always justify it away. Um, well, I'm always there or, or I always give at other times, but is God speaking in your heart? Now, I'm not saying there's never a time to miss and there's never a time to, to, to use your money for yourself, but I think we need to truly ask ourselves to what point have we really been obeying God? Are we just going through the motions and we are just obeying out of the surface? But when it gets to a point that that it crosses something that I really want, all of a sudden then I can't sacrifice. See, at what point do you stop sacrificing for God? You see, there's a cost. Obedience means a cost. What cost are you willing to pay? It says that Jesus was willing to pay the cost of everything. And it goes back to what he was not grasping for. You see, uh, to miss a football game didn't matter because he wasn't grasping for those things. Those things of pleasure, those things of uh, uh, times were not as important as an opportunity to be obedient to God. And again, I'm not trying to be legalistic in those things, but I think we need to look at our life and our overall uh, pattern of obedience. At what point do we usually draw the line? And if there's a pattern that you find yourself usually not wanting to go past that, you need to ask yourself, why do I not want to go past it? Why do you always want to justify that? Why don't we just be so obedient to God that we lose everything? We need to love God more than all those other things. We need to love God more than family. We need to love God more than birthday parties. We need to love God more than football games. We need to love God more than friends when we get together and, and have our social activities at what point is God going to become more treasure to us than all of those things? And it will begin to show up in our obedience. Because obedience is not about how good you are and do you follow all the rules. Obedience is about seeking the heart of God and treasuring Him. So those three things, the mind of Christ is having those three things in our heart. We have a mind that doesn't grasp uh, for my self-identity. I don't don't try and hold on. I don't try and prove that to myself. Secondly is a mind of servanthood. That I'm going to serve others. Everything of mine that God has given me is for how can I help others? How can I do that for them without acknowledgement? And the third thing is obedience to God. How can I find the heart of God and please the heart of God to accomplish what God wants in this world. How can I be a part of that in this world? And so those three things, we're always going through the mind of Christ. And because of that, if we will have those three things in our mind, then we can go back and let's skip back to verse three, and then we can live this life. And this is what Paul says really gives him joy. Joy comes from this do nothing from rivalry or conceit but in humility count others more significant than yourself not looking out for your own interest but also for the interests of others you see in ourselves we cannot do that we cannot consider other people more important than ourselves it says that we can not do it says do nothing from rivalry or conceit well we are always going to think ourselves. So we need the mind of Christ. So we need the mind of Christ so that we can fully have the joy that comes from caring about others more than ourselves. Now, you notice it doesn't say just be kind person and care about other people. He says that you need to care about, you need to see other people as more significant than you. More important than you. Not equal. More important. Have we had this mind that other people are more important than me? Well, see, unless we have the mind of Christ in those three areas, we're never going to think that. But when we begin to pray and say, God, give me your mind, let the mind of Christ be in me, then here is the fruit. You will start to begin to see other people as more important to you, and you will truly become a blessing to others. Because your motivation, your purpose for being will be others. Now here's the great thing to end on. If we will develop the mind of Christ, not grasping our own importance, serving others and obeying God, that will cause us to view others as more important to us and we will look out for their interests and we will meet their needs. And here's what happens. It says that therefore God highly exalted Jesus and bestowed on him a name above every name that every tongue would confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You see, Jesus was exalted because he had this mind in him. Because of his love, his purpose, um, uh, his desire to serve and to obey. It says that God exalted him and gave him that name. Now, here's the promise. We know this because Paul has said this. If we share in his suffering, we will also share in his glory. We do not become exalted like Jesus. But when Jesus is exalted and we have taken on the mind of Christ, then we also are exalted with him to give glory to God you see it is in the exalting of Christ that we ourselves are exalted because it says that that he has given us that redemption and the choice of being sons of God that we would be co-inheritors with him and so if we will empty ourselves and and give ourselves that we will be, become obedient to God, that we will so desire to serve God and to love others that even if it costs us our life, it says you will be exalted. First of all, you will be exalted in your spirit, that even in this life of servanthood, of sacrifice, you will know the joy that Christ knew because Christ was exalted, first of all, in his spirit, It says that even as he was going to the cross, it was for the joy set before him that he went to the cross. So God wants you to experience that joy. But that does not come until we take on the mind of Christ. We begin to think like Jesus thought. But then also, it says that there is coming a day when he is going to come and receive us unto himself, that we will be exalted, uh, that we will reign with him, that we will enter into that kingdom that was prepared for us. Now, Jesus will always be the one that we will confess and praise and glory. But the truth is, the more that we glory in Christ, the more that God's glory falls upon us. Because you see, God's heart is the same mind for us, as he is calling for us to have the mind for him. And so that is why Paul says, I want all of us to have the same mind. Because if we have that same mind, we, become, we begin to enter into that love relationship that even God himself has. And many times we've talked about this, that God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are in a constant trio of love. That Jesus loves the Father, and therefore the father loves Jesus and Jesus loves the spirit and the spirit lifts up Jesus and the father loves the spirit and the spirit points to the father. And so in them, they are in a non-stop experience of love and joy. And God invites us into that same thing. If we take on that same mind, it is a circle of love that as we just lay down our life for God, God lays down his life for us. So we never lose anything. Even though we may lose in this life, we will gain what no one can take away from us. So therefore, there's no need to grasp for the things of this world. Let's take on the mind of Christ and let's see joy become complete. It is as we think that way that we begin to love others as better than ourselves. We become servants. We become obedient to God. And in so doing, the joy of the Lord will see us through any circumstance that we face. In fact, there's nothing that we can go through that can steal our joy. Because everything we go through, the the worst situation is just another opportunity for God to build his kingdom in us. And we take joy in the suffering, in the day-to-day walk of this journey because God is at work. Amen. Let's pray.